my sins away. He took my sins away. He took my sins away and keeps me singing every day. I'm so glad he took my sins away. He took my sins away. condemnation have I in my heart. He took my sins away, he took my sins away. His perfect peace he did to me impart. He took my sins away. He took my sins away. of sin and shame through grace he lifted me from sinking sand he lifted me with tender hand he lifted me from shades of night to plains of light oh praise his name he lifted me now I mean that's the first time you sung that song Oh, just about half of us here. And uh, isn't that a beautiful song? And let's try those, that second verse. He called me long before I heard. He called me long before I heard. Before my sinful heart was stirred. But when I took him at his word, forgiveness he lifted me. From sinking sand he lifted me, with tender hand he lifted me, from shades of night to plains of light, oh praise his name, he lifted me. His brow was pierced with many a thorn, his hands by cruel nails were torn. When from my guilt and grief forlorn in love he lifted me from 
from sinking sand he lifted me with tender hand he lifted me from shades of night to blades of light oh praise his name he lifted me now on a higher plane i dwell and with my soul i know tis well yet how or why i cannot tell he should have lifted me from sinking sand he lifted me with tender hand he lifted me from shades of night to plains of light oh praise his name he lifted me and 347 happy in the love of jesus hope you're there tonight 347 Home to Zion we are bound, happy in the love of Jesus. Peace abiding we have found, happy in the love of Jesus. Happy, happy, singing all the way, happy all the day. Happy, happy, happy in the love of Jesus. Us. Trusting we will forward go, happy in the love of Jesus, treading, changing paths below, happy in the love of Jesus, happy, happy, singing all the way, happy all the day, happy, happy. Happy in the love of Jesus. We will sing salvation song. Happy in the love of Jesus. All our pilgrim way along. Happy in the love of Jesus. Happy, happy. Singing all the way. Happy all the day. Happy. Happy in the love of Jesus. Soon we'll reach the homeland fair. Happy in the love of Jesus. And shall dwell forever there. Happy in the love of Jesus. Sing it out. Happy, happy. Singing all the way. Happy all the day. Happy. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of once again being here. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, I ask that you would help me to be careful as we do the teaching tonight. And Lord, I pray that you would have full control and be honored and glorified. I pray that you would open each heart to hear, not to only just perceive the words, but to understand what they mean. And most of all, Lord, we want to live them every day. We ask that you would teach us about your Son tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. 
and um, just ask you to keep us in, in prayer tomorrow. We have a, a fellowship meeting in uh, Connecticut. We'll be leaving about 5.30 in the morning, Brother Shaw and Brother Jose, and uh, I think Franz is going to go with us, and uh, we'll be back tomorrow night, and then Saturday morning, uh, the uh, Two, actually, two brothers are coming down from Southington, Connecticut. It's funny, we're driving up to Vernon, Connecticut, just about an hour beyond Southington, and then two men are coming down from Southington tomorrow to start laying out the ceiling grid in the basement downstairs. And so uh, please pray for them. Pray for Brother Shaw and I. We, uh, we, uh, we found out one thing. It's really easy when someone comes in and they've just got one little part of the job to do to get a whole lot done. But uh, we've been struggling along just trying to tie up a bunch of loose ends these last two weeks, and it feels like we're just treading peanut butter. And so uh, pray for us as we uh, do those things and uh, get them done. Uh, the, uh, we're taking things just one step at a time and, and trying to uh, finish. And so uh, pray about that. And uh, also... I uh, would ask that you keep in prayer. I talked to Brother Copes uh, this week at Heartland, and we have five students uh, who have committed to come out to the uh, inner city missions class at Open Door Bible Baptist Church this summer. And so uh, we did this two years ago. Now, two years ago, what we were able to do as a church um, was uh, we were able to... Uh, cover the expenses uh, of the students staying here, the, the food and, and different things, so that uh, the college did not have to put up with that. And, and uh, it, in essence, what we did was we gave the college an offering because the tuition charge for the class got to stay in Oklahoma City there and work for the college rather than come out here and pay for expenses that we incurred teaching the class. And uh, so just want you to think and pray about that, that uh, we could do that again. And uh, it'll, it, it, it was a blessing the last time. One of the men that was in our class two years ago is now starting a church in inner city San Diego. Uh, it's not New York, but at least it's in the city. Amen. And uh, uh, one of the other students... Uh, he is studying missions, and he had to do, uh, for his senior project, he had to make a missions display as if he were actually going to the field, just like what our missionaries do when they come and visit us. And uh, Michael Newberger was putting his display together, and uh, he had uh, a picture of, of him and his wife-to-be in there. They got engaged here in New York City uh, over Christmas break, and... Uh, and uh, it said, the Newburgers to New York City. And, and Anita was walking by and she said, is that for real? Are you really going to New York? No, it's my class project. But you pray because we might get him before long. We'll, we'll just see what the Lord's going to do. And uh, so we're, we're just uh, praising the Lord for that and uh, just keep that class in prayer. It takes a lot of time. But uh, most colleges, their influence extends in a circle about 152 mile, 200 miles from the campus. And uh, I'm glad that Heartland is not limiting themselves to just the Midwest. There's a lot of churches in the Midwest. 
and uh, not too many colleges would do what uh, Heartland is doing where they're actually, this is actually a class four credit as a student at Heartland and uh, I'm not a professor at Heartland, I'm not a faculty member by any stretch of the imagination and, uh, uh, and yet they're allowing students to come out here and study in our church and, uh, and counting that as, as credit for their college and uh, that encourages the students to do that and it also gives them the heart. One of the students uh, last time said, now Brother Montoro, if you'd come to Oklahoma City and told us all this stuff, I wouldn't have believed you. He said, but I don't have a choice because I see it. And, and so that's uh, Brother Cope's heart and my heart and Brother Davidson's and, and we, I'm just praising the Lord they're willing to do that and just ask that you pray with us uh, we're going to be trying to get some of the area preachers coming in to give us a hand. And, and uh, uh, so a lot of different things we're going to plan for that. All right. Um, let's go ahead and grab our hymn books one more time. 812, Victory in Jesus. 812, Pasture Index. I heard it all story, how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning, of his precious blood's atoning, and I repented of my sins and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bore me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Let's sing that second is the last. I heard about his healing of his cleansing power revealing how he made the lame to walk again and caused the blind to see. And then I cried, dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. And somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He saw me and he bore me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath a cleansing flood. Amen. You may be seated. And uh, tonight we're going to kind of try as we go through verse 2 of chapter 1 to illustrate just how interconnected the Bible really is. And of course, the book of Hebrews, um, uh, it is really uh, the Bible switchboard. If you remember those 
old video clips of the lady sitting there with the, all the different plugs and she'd say, hello, what number do you want? And plug in over here and plug in over there and, and make all of those connections. Uh, that's what the book of Hebrews does for the Bible. It connects everything in the Bible to everything that it's supposed to be uh, connected to. And and we're gonna, we, we spent last week in God who at sundry times, meaning in, in individual packets, at different times, God, and in different manners, God didn't always do everything the same way, spake in time passed unto the fathers by the prophets. God has given man his revelation. And... Uh, Sometimes we, we just need to remind ourselves and, and remind others if you ever get into an opportunity to witness to someone, one of the questions you, you simply ought to ask them is, what would you know about God? What could you know about God without this book called the Bible? Because everybody, it, it's really weird. I mean, uh, I, I think... Probably one of the best words to describe society today is the word schizophrenic. I, I mean, uh, we we talk about, oh, I love the Bible. Do you remember that fellow used to be president? You know, everywhere he went, he carried a big old Bible. And, and yet, the most horrible and deplorable acts committed, vilest acts by a human being upon another human being he he was portraying and and had done all his life long there's something wrong with that connection my friend there's something wrong with somebody that that uh you know they they portray them in all the movies and stuff they've got a bible in one hand and a bloody axe in the other from going around chopping people up and and all you know that's what our society looks at things. We can, we can take one thing and say, well, here's schizophrenia in, in the best. Modern political situation. We must keep America safe. But we're not going to do anything to close down the borders, leave everything just wide open, let everybody in. Does that make any sense to anybody? Now, I'm, hey, I'm a grandson of immigrants. I'm from immigration. Uh, but there's, there's just a touch of insanity in that kind of thinking, isn't there? Uh, we have people who run around and, and we, we do one thing and say one thing over here and an hour later... We're doing absolutely the opposite or the antithesis, the exact, uh, you just couldn't get more uh, ridiculous. Is that a good word? And yet, you know what we call that? Normal. That's what we call it. But that's not what it ought to be, Amen. <laughs> And as we talk about this book called the Bible, God has a purpose. He wants 
to change the way we live. This, uh, uh, this idea uh, that Jesus is here to make your life better. That's not what the Bible's about, my friend. Okay, whatever that is. Um, the Bible... Hang on. No, it's not blinking. Uh, the Bible's goal, the Bible itself, yeah, we... It, we summed it up in the first word. It is summed up in the first word of Hebrews. We talked about this last week in our first lesson. God. That's what the Bible is about. It is about God. Now, let me tell you something. If you will be obedient, if you will place yourself under the authority of the words of this book, if you will obey Christ and submit to His laws, guess who's going to benefit the most from it? You are. But that's not the goal. Don't stop halfway. The goal is to worship God. The goal is to bring glory to God. The goal is to show this wicked, wacky, schizo world we live in that you don't have to be that way. Amen? You can just serve God. Now, you know what the world will call you when you just do that? They'll call you crazy. But if they were really honest, they're hoping it's true because they would like some for themselves. And that's why they push and prod and, and see just how far they can get you to come back to the world after you tell them you've left the world. Because if they can get you to come back to the world, then they have an excuse for staying in the schizo state that they're in. But if they can't, that's when the Holy Spirit's able to do a little work and convict them of their sin. God is always sending His revelation to us. The greatest revelation God has given mankind is Jesus Christ. The living Son of God in the flesh. God the Son. The Son of God. God. Uh, people get confused about that. How can Jesus be God and God the Son and the Son of God all at the same time? Well, it's real easy if you'll just do one thing. Stop trying to figure out God, amen? Uh, if you could figure Him out, you'd be as smart as He is. And you're not. I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but uh, I, I popped mine a long time ago. Uh, oh, uh, Brother Patrick reminded me of something I had told him years and years ago uh, about college 
our, our colleges, especially Bible colleges, are the world's largest repository of knowledge. Because those freshmen, when they get there, they know everything. And by the time they leave, they said, man, I don't know anything. So where did all of that knowledge go? It must be left there at the college somewhere, huh? And uh, so, uh, uh, but that, that is a learning process we, we need, every one of us needs to go through. Because we do not know as much as we think we do. But if you want to know anything, you need to learn about Jesus Christ. That's where all knowledge starts. Learn about God. And this is what the Bible says. Hath in these last days spoken unto us, verse 2, by His Son. Now He's going to explain to us a few things about the Son. Now let's read. I'm going to read the whole way down here. Um, and, and we're probably not going to get all the way through verse 4, but we're, we're going to move a little bit here. It says hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance, obtained a more excellent name than they. And what, the re- what this entire chapter 1 of the book of Hebrews is about is giving us a picture and an understanding of God's greatest revelation to us, the Lord Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. And... Uh, it, we, we look here, it says, His Son, whom He hath appointed, heir of all things. Now, I printed this verse in here because I, I want to make sure that nobody uh, skipped over and didn't turn to it, didn't read it. John chapter 5, verse 22. Jesus is arguing here with the Pharisees, and, and He says, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. Now, this is one of the things the Bible's talking about here. He made him heir of all things. Now, what God did was he said, listen, I'm giving Jesus the judgment. There's, there, Jesus is the one who is going to judge us. He is going to judge us according to what we have done. Now the only question that is going to, there's going to be two questions. Uh, uh, The main question is, what have you done with the Lord Jesus Christ? Is He your Lord? Now we use that word Lord. We use it a lot, but how many of you know what the word Lord really means? You got to think about that. I mean, it, it takes a little bit. It's the word "Lord." You'll know exactly when I say it means master. It means the one in charge. How many of you have a landlord? Have a landlord? 
You have to pay rent. Uh, what if you decided not to do what the landlord said? That would be really bad if you're your own landlord and didn't do what the landlord said, wouldn't it? Um, uh, that gets back to that whole schizo thing, doesn't it? But uh, Jesus wants to be our life lord, amen? It's his. He bought it on the cross. He paid for it with his own blood. And we, we have here whom he hath appointed, heir of all things, the... God the Father has given judgment to the Son. It is the Son that's going to judge. It says in, uh, let's turn to John chapter 3, because I got verse 35 here, but I want you to read verse 36. Most of you know verse 36 already. But what often happens with a great verse like verse 36, He that believeth not on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not on the Son... Uh, shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Uh, mo uh, many of us have heard of that verse, and, and, and as a preacher, I've preached on that verse many times. But look at the verse right before, verse 36, and let's put it in the context here. It says, The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. If we could just get that picture, if we could get that understanding, the Father has given all things. Now, Philip, no more. Sit still. I'm sorry. The Father has given all things into the hand of the Son. And if you refuse to believe the Son, the wrath of God, it, it doesn't say, is coming to you. The wrath of God will be poured out on you someday. It says, the wrath of God abideth. That's the same word when John chapter 15, he said, abide in me and I in you. The wrath of God abideth on that person who has refused to believe in the Son. If you're unsaved, God's given you a knapsack. In that knapsack, or a cloud actually, fly over, just sits over your head. Everywhere you go, that, that living cloud lives right with you, right on top of you. And in that cloud is the most destructive force in the entire universe. It makes the atomic bomb look like a firecracker. It is the wrath of Almighty God, and it abides on every person. You wonder why sometimes you go into an area and you just feel almost like, I'm a Christian. Boy, there's something wrong with this place. It's because there's a lot of the wrath of God there. That's why it's so important to start churches 
especially in our cities, they're some of the darkest places on the face of this earth. Because if you don't believe on the Son, the wrath of God abides on you. And uh, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, what we are doing here tonight just want to take it aside while you're turning there to 1 Corinthians 15, is we are studying parallel passages. We are studying verses that talk about the same thing. Now, one of, one of my personal goals as pastor of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church is not to just have our members come to church like little birdies and go, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. Uh, is to teach you how to study the Bible on your own and read things and, and learn how to rightly divide this book called the Bible. And um, one of the ways that you can do that is exactly what we are doing in this Bible study tonight. Is, is This is what I mean when I say the Bible is its own best commentary. What we're doing is we're taking these phrases... They come out of the book of Hebrews and we're just kind of chasing them through different scriptures that talk and say the same thing so that we can shed light on what is going on in the book of Hebrews. And if you want to understand anything, you don't have to have a computer, a book called Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, is really all you need. Now, it's faster if you have Strong's on the Bible, and I think uh, uh, if you're one of those people that use artificial computers, you know, PCs or something like that, uh, uh, you can actually, I know you can download a Bible program from our church website. Brother Slava's got it on there for free, and uh, I'm not sure if it has the Strong's Concordance hooked up to it or not, but uh, uh, we'll, um, uh, we'll ask, I'll ask Slava if he, if he has that, if he could put that on there for people to get off the website, uh, but uh, if you don't have one and you would like to order one, we can order them uh, from uh, a, like a, a Christian bookstore, we've gotten them as, uh, they'll go anywhere from, if somebody's having a sale, $13, $14 to less than $20 for Strong's Concordance. It has every word in the Bible referenced so that you can look up every place every word is found. Now, it doesn't do phrases. It just does, does word for word. Some guy, I uh, forgot his first name. Don't tell me. Uh, uh, but uh, some guy, his last name was Strong, went James went through the Bible and took every word and listed every reference where it was found. And uh, it's how you study the Bible, comparing Scripture with Scripture. So we look here to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and this is what we call parallel passage. It's talking about the same thing. And uh, we're going to just go back to verse 22 so we can get just a little bit of context here. Uh, 
the, the verses that we're really uh, looking at here is uh, um, verse uh, 24. It says, Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and authority and power. And uh, we'll, we'll get there in a minute. Let's start in verse 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterwards they that are Christ that is coming. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he hath, shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, for he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. This is what it means by Jesus is appointed the heir of all things. Jesus is going to set up his kingdom here on earth. He is going to reign over every power. He is going to put down uh, all authority. And when it's all said and done will be the great white throne judgment where Jesus will judge the unsaved dead and then everything will be given to God and we will enter the state of eternity future. Now, if you want to know what eternity is going to be about, it's right here. That God may be all in all. Wouldn't it be wonderful if every thought you thought was about God? You didn't have to worry about building renovations. Amen? Parking tickets. Taxes. Um, they're due next week. Uh, any of those things. All we'll think about, all we'll want to do in heaven is God. That's what heaven's going to be like. You know what? You won't have any opportunity to think about yourself. And you'll be better off and having more, in, more joy and more blessedness than, than you could possibly ever imagine. Because the closer we are to God, the better off we are as humans. Amen? It says, Whom hath appointed, whom he hath appointed, heir of all things. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 here. And uh, I think we're. Nope, nope, we're still in verse 2. By whom also he made the worlds. I love John 1 3. It says, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. You go on down in the book of John just a little bit. It says, and the world was made by him. Oh, boy. My, 
My brain is not working. I'm not quoting that verse right. He was in the world, verse 10, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. I mean, can you imagine the Pharisees as Jesus was on trial? They said, finally, the chief priest looked at him and said, Tell us if you're the Christ. And he said, I am. And they begin to spit on him and mock him. Yet, all he was doing was telling them the truth. He was the creator of the world. And yet, he allowed these little things called men to misuse and abuse and curse him. Let's turn to the book of Colossians. We'll be coming back here in, in a minute if time allows tonight. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. It says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him. Now, that's where everybody likes to end, but did you read that last little phrase there? Let's read those last three words together. And for him. Let's try that again. And for him. Everything was created by him, but it was also created for him. Now, we have many different groups, religious groups, and all kinds of understandings out there misunderstandings, I should say, of the Bible. And there's many different people who want to demote Jesus Christ from deity and try to make him any le something less than God. Uh, Islam is one of the great religions of the world that does this. Uh, and they, they say, how can he be God's son if he's God? Well, that's just because you're not smart enough to figure out God. Is that okay? Can you grab that one? He is bigger than you are. Isn't that wonderful? God does not think like a man. I'll tell you one of the ways you can tell whether a religion is true or false is just study what, what those gods in that religions do. If they act like men, you'll know that some man invented it. God doesn't act like a man. Jesus doesn't act like human beings. Amen? He transcended this thing called human flesh. He, he's not running back and forth having battles with himself. He is doing what is best for all mankind. Hebrews chapter 12, consider such a one and endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. He says, lest we faint when we're tempted and we're tried. It says, By also whom he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory. Now you stop and think about that statement right there. That Jesus Christ is the brightness of God's glory. 
Yet, Jesus Christ was so human that the Pharisees looked at him and said, You, being a man, make yourself God. See, the world wants to paint a picture of Jesus that when he walks in the room, the lights go on. This six foot tall, nearly perfect in human way, every uh, perfect human in every way, blonde hair, blue eyes. Since when did blonde hair and blue eyes perfection? I'm I'm sorry. I mean, I've got a lot of toehead kids and. Uh, that's what you call blonde hair, blue eyes. That's nice, but uh, uh, that 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 does not necessarily mean you're perfect. Amen. I I don't know where we get all these things. These are these are things that man comes up with. Man loves to glorify himself. That's why we had. The blasphemy uh, done several years ago, Jesus Christ Superstar. That was uh, some of you. If, how many have ever heard of that thing? Most of you have. Those of you that haven't, you're not missing a thing. Uh, and if you don't know what it is, it, it was uh, a rock opera about, supposedly, about Jesus Christ. And every, every word, everything done was done in a blaspheming degradation of Jesus Christ. Because the world does not want to accept him for who he is. We had all those, uh, I've often told the story of the little group of preachers or ministers or whatever you want to call them. Idiots is probably the proper term because you have to, you have to be born that dumb. To, to look at this book called the Bible and say Jesus really didn't mean what he said. Uh, you got to exercise yourself. You got to practice. And they went through and, and and they had little marbles. I mean these these people. I mean they had it all together. Uh, a uh, black marble meant definitely not. A gray marble meant probably not. Uh, I think a pink marble meant. Probably so, and a white marble meant most assuredly. And uh, when it said God is love, everybody got out their white marble. But did Jesus say God is love? No, John the Apostle said John is love. They're not even smart enough to know who was talking, amen? When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me, you can guess what color marbles they got out. Because Jesus would never be so dogmatic. I mean, like I said, there, there's got to be something missing up there. You've you got to practice to be that dumb. Amen? You've got to work hard at it. Because Jesus was the brightness of His glory. What was the brightness of God's glory? Turn with me to John chapter 17. John chapter 17, verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son 
also may glorify thee. Verse 5. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thy own self, with the glory which I had with, with thee before the world was. Let's go down to verse 24. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. How many of you know the context of John chapter 17? John chapter 17 was on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane the night Jesus was betrayed. Jesus said, The hour is come. Glorify me. Jesus was glorified through the cross. Yes, the cross was a curse. But the resurrection was the victory over that curse. The resurrection showed that Jesus Christ had power over sin, over death, over hell, over the devil. You know, um, a lot of people run around trying to figure out if Peter has the keys. Yeah, I need to read Revelation chapter 1. Jesus has the keys of death and hell. Amen. Jesus is the one that has conquered he is the brightness of God's glory. It says, And we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1, 14. Can you imagine that God Himself wrapped Himself in the limitations of human flesh lived here 30 years before he even began his public ministry in obscurity the God of heaven who is all heaven is about is worshiping God did they worship Jesus as a little boy no and, and by the way they just found uh, a new gospel. Some of you may have heard this. And uh, just translated it. It was written on Egyptian papyrus. Uh, it came from Egypt, by the way. And uh, it said that Jesus asked Judas to help him get out of this flesh so he could realize his own spirituality. Garbage. There are books out there that claim to be biblical that have Jesus making little doves. And, and uh, there's one that tells a story uh, of him playing with clay on the Sabbath day. Now, that's breaking the Sabbath. That would make Jesus a sinner. But when his parents came out and caught him, he gave the bird life and it flew away. And so he wasn't breaking the Sabbath. You talk about a humanistic, a manly approach to God. That's it right there. We make him a sinner just like us. And then we give him all these fantastic powers that he wastes on a piece of mud. That's not the God of this book called the Bible. The God of this book called the Bible 
is the heir of all things. Jesus Christ is in charge. Praise God, it's not Congress. Amen. By whom also he made the worlds. Who being the brightness of his glory. Now, wow. I guess we're going to have to stop right there. The express image of his person. Now, we're going to have to spend some time on that one. We'll just kind of touch on it tonight and we'll be done. But we've oft, I've often given the illustration back to Genesis chapter 1. It says, uh, Genesis chapter 2, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. There's a plurality there. God said, Let us make man. Now, how are we created in his image? Well, originally, I believe we had a body, which you have today, a soul, and you had a spirit. Because the day that Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what did they do? The Bible said they died. But Adam lived another 130 years and had a kid named Seth, after Cain and Abel. So if he was dead, how did he live? Well, Ephesians tells us, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. God gives his Holy Spirit to live in us because we were born spiritually dead. That's why you must be born again. Because the first, you can't take uh, a dead body and do anything to it to give it life. I had one guy who asked me, I was preaching in a prison barge up in the Bronx, and he says, well, what about near-death experience? I was dead for six minutes. I said, well, you just answered it. He said, how did I do that? I think he belonged on the prison barge, but anyway... Uh, I said it was real easy. I said, you just said it, near death. See, I worked in a nursing home. We had a lot of people that had near-death experiences, but once they were dead, uh, they didn't come back. They were dead. It's, it's a done deal. And uh, uh, once you're dead, you're dead. Only God can give life. And that's why we need to be born again. But he is the express image of his person, Jesus. If we want to look at ourselves and try to learn a little bit about God, God the Father is the soul. God the Holy Spirit, that's easy, spirit. Jesus is the body, the express image of his person. That's why he told Philip. Philip said, show us the Father. And it sufficeth us. And Jesus said what? Have I been so long a time with you, Philip, and yet hast thou not known me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask that you would help us as we study this book. We're just coming down through here. We haven't made a lot of conclusions and a lot of life application. 
But Lord, we pray that we would reverence and honor you a little more, which is the greatest thing that we can do with our lives. Help us to study your word. Give us strength that we may serve you this week. In Jesus' name we pray. And we'll just keep our heads bowed for a moment. If you need to come and pray. With